Oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. This podcast is dedicated to all the women out there who are aspiring to have a career while raising a family. And bitch? Well, that's more than a name and even an attitude. (laughs) We use it as an acronym. It's for bank, inbox, time, connection, and harmony. Each episode is labeled according to the correct topic so that you can efficiently find the topic that you're looking for. I'm here to tell you, you can have your cake and eat it too. The trick is finding efficient ways to get through the have-tos so that you can make room for your best life. I can show you how. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leon. So today is going to be a hard one. (laughs) We're going to talk about money and I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of the bank chapter in my book, Efficiency Bitch, How Ambitious Women Can Have It All Without Doing It All. I'm going to walk you through multiple pieces of how you can set up your life to have money for the future, right? Savings and investing how you can teach your children some smart money habits, and how you can really start to feel in control. Now, I'm going to warn you, this is going to require you to open up your bank account. It's going to require you to open up an Excel document. I have a download for you. Don't worry. (laughs) We'll show you how to get it. And it's going to take a little bit of brain power. So you may need to watch this a few times. If you're listening to this, I encourage you to go over to YouTube and watch me because I'm going to screen share with the Excel document open. And I'm going to show you how things can start to shift over time. Okay. So one of the most important things that we're going to talk about is MATS, M-A-T-S. And it is your money available to spend slash save. So could be spend or save depending upon what you're trying to look at. And that is step number one. So we need to go through our current spending and income and decide what have we already accounted for? What have we already spent before we earn the money? So for example, you have a rent or mortgage, you have maybe have a car payment, you maybe have car insurance, you maybe have childcare, the different things that you already have to pay for. You already have credit card debt of money you've spent. You already have student loans, right? So these are the types of monies that we have already said that we're going to spend. Then we're going to look at After all that said and done, how much money is available to save or spend? We're going to talk about allowances a little bit. I put my husband and I on an allowance so that we have our play money without feeling guilty, but also don't overspend that. I also give my children an allowance. My kids are 8, 10, and 12, and we give them money to buy things, but I don't buy extra things for them. So if they want to go to the book fair at school or they want to buy a piece of candy, Even their yearbooks, like maybe that's mean mom, but my kids are in elementary school and the yearbooks are like $60 a piece. I don't want to buy that. It's just going to end up on a bookshelf or in the garage or in the garbage. So I let them decide if you want to spend your money on that, go ahead. And do you want to go in together with your sister or do you want one by yourself? So I force my children to make those types of money decisions early on, but I do give them an allowance to live because they can't earn their own money. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about how to allocate that money so that you're putting money into all of your pants pockets 
for saving for the future, for the far, far future, and for your emergency fund. If these concepts are new to you, you don't know exactly all of these pieces, grab my book, Efficiency Bitch, How Ambitious Women Can Have It All Without Doing It All. I have a bank chapter. It's the second or third chapter of the book. And we walk through all of this in detail. And I will cover some of it in this episode. But if you're looking for further information, start there. Okay, let's get started. I would suggest you listen to this in its entirety and then maybe go back through again and try to do it side by side with your own work. I'm going to use some sample data. I Honestly, I just made it up, the sample data. So some of it may or may not be realistic for you, but use your imagination. Okay, so here is our spreadsheet. Go to the very, very top. This is the B for bank. So we're going to talk all about our money. Estimated mats. So this is our money available to spend or save. I wrote a laundry list of all the items that I think most people have in their lives. Some of the things they forget that they have in their lives. And just some basic ideas. Don't let the length of this scare you. It's designed to be exhaustive of all of the options. You may have things you need to add. So this is my estimation. So before I open my bank account, I haven't even looked at it. I'm going to write down, fill in the blanks of everything I think I spend. So you're going to see at the top, I think I spend $1,000 on my rent. I think my HOA. I think my car. Hopefully these numbers. Maybe you don't. Write them down of what you think you're spending. I think this is what I spend on gasoline, right? Keep going down. Here's my average gas bill, water, power, cell phone, cable and internet. Other tech apps, I would include this, any apps that are automatically charging you from Android or Apple, Netflix, Amazon, tablets, all the little extra tech that tends to creep into our lives adds up. So there's that. If you have a gym membership, kids activities, like for me, this is piano lessons and sports. Those little boogers are expensive. School supplies or lunch, house cleaning, pool, yard, pest control, storage or parking, personal care. The list is pretty extensive. If you need to add some things, go ahead and do that there. So this sample got us all the way down to our monthly expenses were $7,025 a month. And you've got two short-term investments that are here. In my family, one of these is a 529 account for my children's college funds. So I include that as an expense. I have that on auto draft in my house. For me, it's a I'm paying for the future so that I don't have to put them into student debt or myself into their student debt. So for me, that's there. Maybe you have other things that are important to you in that space that you're already doing that you want to continue. That's great. And then also make sure that you're putting any debt in here. So any credit card payments that you must pay back, any other debt that you may already have. So all the money you've already committed to spending. Okay, then it's going to take you down to your earnings. So what money do you have coming in? W-2 means you're employed. 1099 means you're a contractor. And then other could be a pension or alimony or child support, other money that comes into your household on a monthly basis. So in this example, this family makes $9,000 a month. And there, this is after taxes. So taxes... Should not be considered when you're looking at your money available to spend because you can't spend that money. Taxes is a whole other very complicated beast. If you are having to pay large amounts of money at the end of the last tax season or you're getting a big chunk back, I would highly recommend you work with a tax professional to try to find that middle ground. I'm a big believer in pay what I owe 
on time, but not more, not less. That's just, it's my methodology of keeping my money. Keep taxes out of this equation. Then we're going to come down here to the bottom. So total earnings, 9350 total expenses, 7000 This family's got a lot going on. Whoever these people are, they're just, they got a lot of things that they're spending money on, but they have the ability to spend 2325 or save 2325 now, you'll notice up in this section up here, I did include things like personal care, hair and nails. I did include some entertainment. So if you have things like that that you're going to do that are guaranteed part of it, that's fine. The next section that I'm going to talk about is the allowances. And this kind of accounts for all the extras, right? If I see a new bag that I want or I want to go do something extra with my friends I'm going to pl I'm planning two trips with my friends this year, one in October, one next April. And those are extra that are not part of my family budget. And my husband does the same thing. I would account these, th those items as part of my allowance. So you can decide how that's going to look for you and your family. But in my household and in this example, because this is how we run, I've got a hundred dollars a week for each adult. And that means I get a hundred dollars a week. I literally take a hundred dollars and put it into a separate account. So that I know that like extra money that I get for fun, extra things. And my husband does the same thing. And then for our children, the same. We give each of the kids money so that they can have their yearbooks or the candy or the ice cream machine man that runs around my neighborhood, all that type of stuff. The next piece is like, how do you want to save? Do you want to save in long-term investments, short-term investments, savings accounts? In my book, I refer to these as the four pants pockets. The first pant pocket is everything we just described up at the top. All of your expenses like that you have to live. That's this pant pocket. The next pant pocket is going to be short-term savings or emergency funds. It's going to be vacation funds and for many families. Just the money that's extra that you're going to spend it somewhat soon. You're going to save it, meaning it's going to go into an account that is easily accessible and likely not into the stock market. It also has no tax issues. So it's not a 401k. It's not an IRA. It's not a 529. It's something that is available to spend any way you choose. And then the bottom two in this case are the back pant pockets are longer investments. So they're going to be those things like an IRA for retirement or a 529 for children's education or even a health savings account, if you're doing that, I would consider those your back pockets where you're putting money aside for something else. Hopefully it helps with some tax deferral and you're able to invest it into the stock market in order to make money. But the key here is that we want our money available to spend, our mats, so we're going to allocate all that money. So that's what I've done here in this spreadsheet. I've said, okay, I had, my family had, 2325 available. We allocated this money here to go somewhere. It's either going to go to us in an allowance. It's going to go into this pant pocket for savings. It's going to go into those two pant pockets for long and short term investments, right? So I know what bucket, what container all of my money is going to go into. And so at the bottom, I have no extra money to allocate. It's all of it. I know where all of my money that I've earned is going to go. So again, down here at the bottom, I've got some of the things, the the pockets, right? The ongoing expenses, the emergency savings, short-term and long-term. So all of that money is available and accounted for. 
Great. So that's what I estimated. That's what I think happens in a, in a normal month in, a, in this household. Now I'm going to go look at actual. And I do this to people because I guarantee you are not spending the way that you think you are. You may be overspending. You may be underspending. It's just like calories. <laughs> people who write down the food that they eat and the things that they drink Calories sneak in. Money is the same way. We only remember the things that we want to. And a lot of that stuff is just really easy to forget. So this next exercise, and in the spreadsheet, when you download it, it's not going to have these plus buttons, but I did that just to segment the conversation. Now we're going to go through and do the actuals. So if I take the same family that thought this is what they spent, and they actually went through their bank account, you can see they're spending $13,000, not the $7,000 that they thought. But they're also making more than they thought. Whoever filled out this estimate maybe just didn't do all of the money or considered one paycheck. So I'm trying to illustrate the... This is pretty extreme, honestly. (laughs) But the illustration is just designed to show you that Sometimes you don't know what you're earning and sometimes you don't know what you're spending. Now, as you go to do these earnings buckets, I would suggest that you take averages. So some people are on salary, which means you make the same every week or every two weeks or every month. Some people are on hourly. If you're not on salary and you're on an hourly basis, take an average of what you think you're making for the estimated. But when you do your actual, take your actual last month and it will give you an idea of where you are. I also would say put bonuses in the other category. You don't want to include a bonus as part of your ongoing money because really you should take a bonus and either pay off your debt or invest it. Try to live outside your bonus as much as you can. That's really going to be where you make your leaps and bounds if you're trying to get out of debt or you're trying to build a nest egg. Usually, most people want to spend a little bit, and that's great. So take maybe 10% and splurge on something, go on vacation, buy a toy. But for the most part, I'd say any bonus should stay outside of that. And then the same exercise holds true here. So this family in particular, they were making more than they thought. They were also spending a hell of a lot more than they thought. Now they have $900 for estimated. I'm sorry, for money available to spend spend or save. And so now you can see they have this money that they need to allocate, but they're over allocated. They can't do it. They think they can, but this is probably why their credit card bill is going up and they're not able to get out of it. So then what you have to look at is, do we need to drop our allowance maybe? Then do we need to drop our savings amount here, right? We need to drop everything until we get to See, and this is still not working. So maybe the kids need to drop an allowance until we get some things under control. Maybe the savings accounts need to drop again. And you do this exercise until you get right where you need to be. And so now this family could say, all right, we're making a lot more and we're spending a lot more. And I've also over allocated where I'm going to put my savings accounts. It, it will not make any sense for you to put money into a savings account that's making very little money or even into the stock market that on average makes eight to 10% inflation, uh, eight to 10% interest if you're paying 20% on a credit card. So let me say that again. If you are putting money into a savings account, but you are paying 20% interest on a credit card, you need to pay off your credit card debt. 
because you will never get out of it. Your money will never get big enough in a stock market or in a savings account in order to offset that credit card. So credit card debt is evil. They are designed to keep you in debt. You want to pay it off. The only time I ever encourage people to hold a credit card balance is typically when they're in business and they are in cash flow situation and they need to make payroll. I would say the same in your personal life. If you have to pay rent in cash, then you put something on a credit card because you cannot put your rent on a credit card. But really, the design of a credit card should only be if you're in a cash flow situation. You don't want to have cash in a savings account and hold a credit card balance. So hopefully that makes sense. Interest rates on credit cards are ridiculous. They're plus 20% these days. Like when the interest rates went up this last year from zero to five and a half percent, all interest rates went up. Car loans, mortgages, credit cards, and the savings accounts. So everything went up. I guarantee you're paying plus 20% on a credit card. Then we keep moving down for your pockets and make sure everything's allocated. So everything's good to go. We have our estimated and we have our actual. What that's going to do for us is then show us our variance. So this is a pretty little color conditional formatted sheet that says, oh, you were way over here. Was it a mistake in your actual or was it a mistake in your estimated? Was it an anomaly? Did you do something that month that was a little extra? And this is part of money analysis that I think goes over people's heads sometimes, or they just don't remember to think about it is you can have a budget in business or in personal, and then you compare it to your actuals. A variance is not necessarily a bad thing. A variance just shows you that you are off in your estimations. And so the goal there would be, am I off in my estimation because it's going to consistently be that way? Or am I off in my estimation because it was a one-off thing? If it's a one-off thing, it's a one-off thing. Don't change your estimate. But if it's something that you actually need to adjust in your forecasting, then that's where you do that. So this variance really helps us get an idea of, are we off? Yes or no. Did I spend more in childcare versus child activities? Do I need to adjust that? Or did something special come up? I spent more in house cleaning this month. Why? Did I have a deep clean go? Did I pay for my mom's house to get cleaned? What are the extra things that I may have done there? And then you can just see how it goes through all the way down at the bottom. And then the beauty of this is then you get to redo it. So now in this example, we've been working with September. Now it's October. I'm going to sit back down in October and I'm going to say, what did I forecast incorrectly in September? And then what am I going to change for October? And then I'm going to do the whole thing all over again for October. This seems like a lot of work. And believe me, it honestly is a lot of work at the beginning. But I promise you, you will build a muscle to this and it will get better. And you will start to understand things. You can eventually you'll be able to get through this very quickly and be able to understand exactly where all your money is. For the first three months, it's probably going to take a lot of brain power. It's probably going to be something that frustrates you or embarrasses you. And that is normal and that is okay, but ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Going through this exercise is going to bring clarity to where you spend your money and how you are able to save money in all of your pockets so that you don't ever have to worry about making rent or paying your electric bill. These types of things are absolutely fundamental in money management and will save you so much grief and headache and worry and hopefully interest into the future. 
these pieces are extraordinarily helpful. They changed my life about 12 years ago. I started this process and it really has helped me quite a bit. Now I'll say also, I'm a financial professional. I've been in the finance world for 20 years in corporate America. I own a bookkeeping and fractional CFO business. So I can talk about this in a way that is very natural and comfortable for me, but it is probably not natural and comfortable for you. And that's okay too. Most people do not have that comfort level talking about money, but this will start it for you. So go through this exercise, do it alone, do it with a friend, email me, whatever you got to do to get through it. Start the process. Now, this isn't designed to be perfect for everybody, right? So it's a template to help you start having that conversation with yourself. Also, um, in order to get this information, right? So that's one of the important pieces of this is how do you get the information? Uh, I always suggest that people use plastic when they're purchasing items. So I you heard me say, don't use credit cards. Don't leave a credit card balance. Using a credit card can actually be pretty awesome because you can earn points and cash back or use a debit card. What I don't encourage people to do is use cash. And I know that can be a little counterculture to some of the things that our parents taught us or other radio personalities may say. And the reason I say that is because you can very easily lose track of where you spend your cash. Um, and you can forget that you went to the drive through twice this week because you used cash versus if it's on your debit card in your checking account, you can see it. The cash idea is is a bit outdated. It's not wrong. It's just a bit outdated. Those folks were working in a world where they would write checks and it would take three weeks for it to clear or that technology wasn't super speedy and you wouldn't see things. But today, when you swipe your card, debit or credit, you can see it in your bank account almost immediately, if not right away. So trust the plastic to be able to help you track checking account and credit cards. What I suggest is you go in and you download your CSV file and that will convert into Excel or into numbers and you'll be able to move those around. If you're not proficient in Excel or numbers, that's okay. Uh, many banks, particularly the big banks, have these options where you can flag transactions as meal or rent or whatever, and then it'll spit it out right there for you. So like I said, this takes some energy to set it up and to really start to understand it. But hopefully this podcast will help you walk through it. I welcome your comments. Ask me any questions. If you see any holes in my methodology, by all means, speak up. I think we all get better by learning from each other. And I'm certainly not perfect. So I would love to hear your feedback and, and some of the things that you do in order to keep track of your family finances and make sense of it all, both for yourself and for your children. Um, I'll leave you with a thought that your kids are going to mirror the way you manage money. So if you don't know how to manage money, chances are very good that your children will mirror that until they choose to make their own decision. And they may or may not end up in a lot of debt while they wait for that choice to happen. So include them in your conversations. I talk to my kids a lot about money. They don't need to know the intimate details of of our finances as adults, but to understand that we are talking about money, that we think about money. Um, I certainly don't want money to be on their hearts, but it needs to be on their mind. It is part of living in a civilized society and managing the stress levels that come with 
life. Everything costs money. So better to master it than to let it master you. I hope that helped. That was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot for me. And this is what I do for a living. So I'm sure that was a lot for you. Listen to it again. Email me. Speak up on social media. Love to talk to you. And I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I'm really glad you're part of the Beehive. Make sure you've subscribed to Efficiency Bitch Podcast so you don't miss next week's episode. Until then, I'm your host, Melissa Leo. See ya. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new around here, please be sure to leave us a review on any podcast platform you're listening to. And you can always reach out to me to let me know what topics you're interested in hearing about or maybe telling me someone you think would be great for the show. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at EfficiencyBee. Until next time, see ya!